alien spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 41st Annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory bullshit. My name is Cody and I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you doing? I've I've been better, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you. Uh, I hear you're a little sick. Yeah, my uh, my trick from San Diego looks like I brought back a little souvenir with me, so. Yeah, yeah, Um, I don't think we talked about that last episode. Why don't you tell the uh, the audience what you were doing in San Diego? So uh, I went to the uh, Holiday Bowl uh, in San Diego, and I watched uh, Iowa Hawkeyes decimate the USC Trojans, which was <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, we didn't. Uh, we only stayed there for a couple days, but we went around and saw some of the sights. So I think I may have gotten sick walking around one of their WalMarts. Ah, so, you know what? That's yeah. a. Uh, that's that'll that will be where the new plague starts out is a Walmart. The yeah, new black definitely. plague will was, definitely uh, come from a Walmart. Yeah, it was uh, pretty packed in there. So a lot of ingrates in there. Did so, you did you, you know. walk around downtown San Diego? Not really. We did walk around. We went to this little island that had a famous hotel on it uh, that's supposedly haunted. It was in one of those Marilyn Monroe movies. I'm not sure what the island was called, but. Hmm. I don't I don't remember that when I was there. There was uh God, I can't remember the name of the goddamn it was like a really old house and like all around it's like historical uh stuff and stores and whatever. I wanted to walk in it, but I thought it was like one of those you could like kinda walk around, kinda check it out, and the guy's like, Whoa, whoa, this is like twelve dollars to get in here. I'm like, fuck that. I'm not paying that for this. Yeah, it sounds about right for fucking all the attractions in San Diego, but <laughs> we just kind of went to did the free shit. So mm, it's a nice city. I do like it, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, some of the tourist shit. I was just asking if you went downtown because man, they have so many restaurants there. It's insane. That's the one thing I remember is like every block, there's like four really nice restaurants. Oh yeah. We, uh, we actually stayed. Our Airbnb was closer to San Diego state university and the stadium. So we didn't really go downtown at all. We did drive past it, but that's pretty much it. Well, our uh, speaking of sports real quick, were you as shocked as I were was that uh, the Gophers took down Auburn? Yes, I was. <laughs> I was really shocked at that one. Uh, I couldn't fucking believe it. I kept on getting little score updates. And it's amazing that Minnesota beat Auburn, but Michigan got decimated by Alabama. So... Really? Yep. Little feather in the cap for Minnesota there. So you weren't watching the game though, huh? No, I wasn't watching the game. I was out at the bars at the time of the game. Ah, see, I didn't watch it either. I only saw like uh, the restaurant I was eating at at the time was playing it on the TV and they were ahead at that point. But obviously I just checked the score later in the day and I was quite surprised. 
Yeah, I was surprised how close it was, but I just kind of assumed that Auburn would like beat him in the end. Like I didn't figure on Minnesota holding him off. <laughs> maybe they have a little competitive edge uh, in them for next year. Then maybe that's maybe that's what they'll hang their hat on. Hopefully, the West needs uh, needs some teams to step up to Ohio State and Penn State. So. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, Phil, let's move on to the hot sheets. What do you got in store for us today? All right. So I did buy the latest issue of the National Enquirer. Uh, (laughs) On the front cover is a great story about Prince Andrew's drunken brawl with William and Kate. So that uh, I'm guessing did not happen in real life, but you know, whatever. Do you you think he has a drinking problem? I don't know, but apparently, according to the story in here, I did read a little bit of it. He broke in to the family Christmas party and uh, approached William and Kate, and they had some kind of drunken brawl. So, <laughs> yeah. I think you got to drink a lot in Britain to be considered an alcoholic. Oh, yeah. They can put it away. <laughs> like, all, all fucking like Saturday, they'll be in there. So, ah. <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good time. So the story is actually from the middle of the uh, newspaper. It's Pothead Fugitive Shouldn't Be Hard to Find. So the article reads, Ohio police are in pursuit of a dope who's easy to identify. The numbskull has pothead and marijuana leaf tattoos on his forehead. <laughs> okay. Now, yeah. Now the convicted sex offender, Douglas Perry, uh, Christopher, who is 51 years old, is required to register with Washington's county sheriff office every three months, but neglected to notify the law enforcement officers when he moved away from his last known address in Belpre. Now that's what police said. The five foot ten, two hundred thirty pound felon with two joints drawn over his eyebrows got out of jail in October 2013 after conviction on sexual battery charges in March 2010. Wow. Okay. So he's got two joints tattooed on his eyebrows or whatever. And and he has the word pothead tattooed on him? Yeah, he has. So on his forehead, there's a picture of him. <laughs> on his forehead, he has the words pot and then head. In between that, he has a large marijuana leaf and two joints that are smoking drawn where his eyebrows should be. Wow. So, okay. Some real good life choices there. <laughs> I'd be so. I'm guessing he likes marijuana a lot, huh? Yeah, uh, you could say that. I imagine. <laughs> so they uh, apparently he's still out on the run, and he's a tier three sex offender. But he's supposed to let uh, officials know about his movements. Okay. Well, hopefully he gets busted. Uh, any sort of crimes involving the word sexual, uh, whatever. That's it's definitely not a good thing. So hopefully he gets busted soon. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's dangerous enough, dangerous enough that he's out on the run, but also, he just kind of moved away from authorities and just didn't let them know. Well, when you were reading that article, I was kind of thinking in my head, I'm like, man, this sounds like a goddamn Florida man story. This doesn't sound like Ohio, but then I was thinking, Ohio has a lot of crazy shit, kind of like Florida does. Yeah, I know that they have, like, a huge drug problem, so, mm. and a lot of... Crazy motherfuckers. Well, just like the rest of the country has crazy motherfuckers. I would love. I'd love to see someone with like meth head on their forehead, with like little, like two meth pipes on their eyebrows, and maybe like a a meth rock in between meth head. 
Applying for a job at the bank. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, Phil, uh, why don't you take the reins and let's dive into this week's conspiracy. All right. So this is obviously part two of the CIA conspiracies Uh, that I started the week before last. Uh, Obviously, we had our in-between episode, which was our uh, New Year's special episode of the podcast. So getting back to the CIA... Have you ever heard of the U.S. government's ability or supposed ability to control the weather? Um, I've I've heard the rumor. It was uh, it's funny you mention it because there was uh, said crazy people I used to work with who this was back when Barack Obama was president. Uh, were very very convinced that Barack Obama was controlling the weather. So. Um, I'll be interesting. Maybe it was actually the CIA and not Barack Obama. So controlling weather patterns does sound like something out of a science fiction movie, but it has actually happened before. So Operation Popeye was a CIA operation to seed clouds during the monsoon season over the skies of Vietnam from 1967 to 1972. Was this the one where they did it to... Flood the crops? No, so this was actually done in an effort to wash out the paths and roadways used by the NVA and the Viet Cong um, on what was known as the Ho Chi Minh Trail. Ah, okay. So were they successful? Well, I mean, the problem is there was so much um, jungle cover and the the NVA and the Viet Cong were able to reconstruct the roadway and the pathways of the Ho Chi Minh Trail like so effectively that they were never never able to really stop it. They even tried to use something called Agent Orange to ah. destroy all of the vegetation so that they could see the trail better. Oh god, man, that stuff is fucking brutal, man. Jesus. All the uh I swear all I ever hear about now is like Vietnam vets dying of cancer after coming in contact with that stuff. I don't know if you've talked to anybody. Yeah, I've heard a lot about not only like the uh the Vietnam American well the American vets in the Vietnam War, but also apparently all of the villagers and everyone like who was surrounding those jungles were also like affected by Agent Orange. They sprayed it in huge swaths and it looked like a moonscape after they got done spraying that shit. Oh God, that's ugh. Uh, quick side note here. I, I, I just remember because you're talking about North Korea, um, or sorry, North Vietnam or whatever. But uh, I was looking through YouTube before we were recording, and apparently, uh, Kim Jong released a new video. It's of him riding horseback to some mountain they must have there, where there's like a giant lake on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. Now, I've heard for quite a while that he has some disease or he has gout or something that he's not really that mobile. So if you look really close in the video, they show him riding horseback. Then they flip over to a frame where he's standing in front of this lake on a mountain or whatever. And he's wearing completely different clothes. Then it immediately flips back to him riding a horse. Then he's riding his horse up to this like temple on the side of a mountain and you can clearly see it's a fucking backdrop it's oh yeah all that propaganda bullshit (laughs) it's it's pretty fucking funny though i'm just like jesus this looks like a fucking 
shitty 80s movie that got directed, and this is like their propaganda film? Like one of those high school fucking uh, video projects where (laughs) they just use shitty backdrops and fucking bad special effects. I mean, at least wear the same clothes if you're going to switch frames like that. Like, it's so apparent that he's not actually there. It's it's amazing. And he's riding like a pure white horse with all these fancy saddles on it. Ah, yeah. It's just, oh my god, it's cringy. I feel bad for that poor horse. Oh yeah. Having to carry around that fat piece of shit around. <laughs> it's funny because he looks like uh, one of our old bosses looks almost identical to Kim Jong. He has the same haircut, same body style, everything. Jesus. The same haircut, too? Same haircut, too. Damn. Yeah, I know. Should have probably tried a different one. <laughs> yeah. So, can, getting back to this a little bit. Conspiracy theorists believe that the CIA has used classified and unclassified technology to gain the upper hand on America's enemies and to foil outside threats. So, have you ever heard of DARPA? Probably have. Um, It sounds vaguely familiar. So, the subject of many conspiracies about the United States government and its ability to wage unusual warfare is the belief that the U.S. government has the ability to manipulate the weather and has used this technology to gain the upper hand against her enemies on the battlefield. Now, DARPA, or the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, was created in 1958 by President Eisenhower. And this was in response to the Soviets launching Sputnik 1, and it was to create an advanced technology firm for the United States military. This was in an effort to keep up with foreign warfighting capabilities. Okay, so it's just like a special organization, but at that time it wasn't exactly the weather control thing? Yeah, so originally it was just set up for like, if you wanted a bunch of like really smart scientists to come together and create technology for you. It was kind of more like a think tank at the time. Okay. They were just trying to get America's brightest minds in one place. Why did these things always start out with good intentions and then instantly like start getting nefarious? I don't know. Honestly, <laughs> if you if you trace a lot of this shit back far enough, it always seems to end up with like they're trying to get more and more funding. Okay, like, so funding with is the government. The key it's evil. always funding. Okay, yeah. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So some of the current DARPA projects include. Gremlins. Now, this is an air-launched and recoverable (laughs) UAV with distributed capabilities to provide low-cost flexibility over expensive multi-role platforms. Okay. I almost thought you were going to make a joke about they're not actually sending in, uh, what is it, Mogwai? Oh, And spraying them with water, (laughs) just letting them unleash hell on foreign countries. Hoping that some, some... Foreign leader's little kid, like, picks up this cute little gremlin and feeds him after midnight. (laughs) (laughs) Enough of those. They could take over a country. I'm pretty certain. Oh, yeah. Like, if you don't have an adequate number of uh, kids to fight these things, because everyone knows all 80s movies, it had to be done by kids. So The only problem is once the sun comes out, they're not going to be any good. Yeah. (laughs) So another technology was uh, the fast, lightweight autonomy. Now, the software algorithms that enable small UAVs to fly fast in cluttered environments without GPS or external communications. So this would basically allow UAVs, which are unmanned drones, to fly in 
like an unsuitable environment for current UAVs, and this would be without GPS or the ability for outside people to control it. So how does the, how do they know where to go? I don't actually know that. It just kind of, <laughs> I guess it would use like cameras and then just try to like figure where it's out, figure out where it is and where it's going. Huh. That's really, that's kind of crazy though, because it's like, you'd assume those things need GPS and coordinates and all that. Yeah. Well, I mean, right now they either need to be flown remotely or they need some kind of like GPS system or radar to tell them where they're going. But apparently this wouldn't use any of that. So, Hmm. I mean, I guess if someone was, you know, controlling it or whatever, and they knew the landscape of where to go, maybe they, it would, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. So other uh, little projects that they're working on is called Warrior Web, which is a soft exosuit to alleviate musculoskeletal stress on soldiers when carrying heavy loads. So is it supposed to, like, give you super strength or is it supposed to, like, convince your body it's not that heavy or is it supposed to, like, recharge your muscles from carrying stuff that, that that's, like, really heavy? Like, what is it? I don't know. Like when I first saw this kind of deal, I, in my head, I immediately thought of like the movie aliens where Ripley is like in that big ass, like metal thing, but it says a soft exosuit. I think it's supposed to use like the suit to let you pick up heavy loads and like carry them around and take stress off of your bones and muscles. I I wonder if it like, I want, I don't want to say locks your muscles, but like holds them in place enough where you can lift heavier stuff. Like, yeah, that is possible. Like, uh, aren't those armbands or, say, those, uh, that tape that you put along your muscles, isn't that supposed to stop it from straining them? Yeah, I know you use that tape, like, when you have, like, muscle pain or weakness. It, like, holds everything together better. You know what? I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but one of the biggest forms of witchcraft that I've ever, uh, <laughs> seen was... The uh, cryogenic tanks, and when I really learned about what they do, so you uh, you go in them right, and you mm-hmm. ha- you can only be in there for three minutes. It's like negative three hundred degrees, and basically it tricks your body into believing that you're getting hypothermia, and then it releases a chemical that gives advanced healing. So you're tricking your body into releasing stuff to heal yourself faster. Why does the body have those things if they only use them in, like, extremely desperate measures? Yeah, it is kind of weird. I've heard, like, little conspiracy deals that almost like the human body is meant to conform to, like, spaceflight. This is kind of off the subject a little bit. (laughs) But they say that, like, our bones automatically, like, uh, lessen when we're in, like, outer space. And almost like if you look at how... Like you, what you were just talking about um, with like cryogenic freezing, almost like our bodies are meant to be like cryogenically frozen at some point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it's a good point, weird. actually. The only reason I know that about the bone thing, I, uh, what the hell was I watching? Was it Law and Order or was it like the show Bones or something? It was one of those shows where they found like a body that had crashed into Earth and then they yeah. could determine that it was a old astronaut. Because something about when you go into space and you come back, something in your bones, uh, something like, I can't remember what it was, but like something turns off permanently. 
the second you get weightless. So yeah, so they can it's tell. The, uh, your your bones get less dense. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, it's just that's crazy. Yeah, whenever I hear about those cryogenic freezing deals, I keep thinking about that one wide receiver, Antonio Brown, who didn't wear Crocs when he went in there, and he ended up fucking his feet up. <laughs> that guy's an idiot. But uh, it's like, uh, yeah. I don't know if you watch Hard Knocks or not, but I'm pretty sure that guy dude was on some drugs. He probably fell asleep in there or something. Yeah, I still got to catch the latest season. Um, I actually canceled HBO right before then, so... <laughs> It's not bad. So, I don't have HBO either. So anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So finishing that off, uh, two other little projects that uh, Dark was working on is also for soldiers. They're working on neuro implants and safe genes, which is a synthetic biology project to program sequences into the gene editing programs. So uh, they're trying to create super soldiers, possibly. <laughs> a bunch of Captain Americas. I wonder yeah. what they want to modify in the genes to like to do. You know what I mean? I don't. I don't know. Hopefully, it's not the ability to say no or <laughs> disobey orders. <laughs> I was gonna say. I feel like if we're talking about the advancements in the human race, I feel like modifying genes to fight diseases or make people immune to diseases is probably, as far as the general population, probably the next step, right? Well, they wouldn't want to do that because that would – honestly, you would make people live like way too long and then you would have an overpopulation problem. Like you well, can't have everyone living forever. Rich people, <laughs> yes. Super soldiers, yes, but not everyone else. <laughs> like Michael Johnson – Jack or no. Yeah, Magic Johnson. I don't know why I always get his name mixed up. I think he's yeah. immortal. He could be. <laughs> According to South Park, it's from sleeping around all that money. <laughs> so one of the projects that I was actually getting to is called HARP. Now, according to the original HARP website, HARP is a scientific endeavor aimed at studying the properties and behaviors of the ionosphere, with particular emphasis on being able to understand and use it to enhance communications and surveillance systems for both civilian and defense purposes. Now, the ionosphere is a delicate upper layer of our atmosphere, which ranges from about 30 miles to 600 miles above the Earth's surface. Okay. So some believe that HARP is not just an advanced research facility, but is actually a means to control the weather and national disasters. And this would happen by firing an electromagnetic pulse into the ionosphere, targeting a small area of the layer of atmosphere over the target, enabling HARP to intensify hurricanes, start earthquakes, or any other form of harmful weather or uh, natural events. Now, I've definitely heard of HARP. That's the one I think a lot of conspiracy theorists get really afraid of. Yeah, it's the one with all of the radio antennas, like out in the middle of nowhere. It's in Alaska, isn't it? Yeah, I know it's it's either Alaska. I thought it was the Pacific Northwest, but... I thought yeah. it was in Alaska. I don't... When I like when I was joking about uh, the Barack Obama controlling the weather, that's what uh, everybody says. Like Obama's using harp and blah 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 blah, and it's just you know. Yeah, it is a pretty big one. A lot of people believe in it. So it the weird thing is, it sounds like one of these mythical little things that like, oh yeah, this totally you know, like everyone kind of believes it's used for these nefarious purposes. The weird thing is, it actually existed. Like there's pictures of it and everything. Yeah, but are they using it to 
destroy countries or whatever, whatever via the weather. Oh, yeah, that's just the supposed conspiracy theory shit. But when I first heard about it, I didn't even think it existed. But it just, it turns out it does. That's the, <laughs> that's the thing I was saying. I was, I was going to ask you, did the CIA tell the citizens of Florida to shoot their guns at hurricanes to try to uh, disable it? Or... <laughs> or pray it to just turn it away. Oh yeah, pray for it. I've heard about I've heard about that. Like being people in like the southeast were told to pray so that the hurricane would just kind of turn away. That God would you know move yeah. his little magic wand around. Yeah, I'm I'm sure he's gonna answer their prayers. Yeah. Well, supposedly, according to oh, I forgot what his name was, the evangelical minister who claimed that earthquakes and hurricanes were caused by uh, gay people. And not enough oh, people going to church. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that before. That's uh, a crazy ass motherfucker. Reverend, is it Patterson? Uh, Something like that. Yeah, pro- you're probably onto it. Yeah. So, other than weather and disaster control, HARP could also create other havoc, like intensifying or decreasing the magnetic field above a region of Earth, creating harsh winds in the upper atmosphere. And this would be used to take down missiles airplanes and possibly even low-flying satellites Mm, okay that could be scary yeah in the years since harp was created the technology has been blamed for numerous earthquakes hurricanes and tsunamis and basically most of like the devastating natural disasters uh it's also been blamed for taking down airplanes so harp can harp is a cia project that's confirmed it's a DARPA project. Okay. But the the theory kind of goes that like the CIA and other government organizations uh, could be using HARP to gotcha. attack clandestinely like other um, foreign enemies. Okay. I see what you're saying now. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. To just kind of use something that you got lying around like that. So moving on from weather control, the CIA is also blamed for possibly starting uh, the AIDS epidemic in the United States. Okay, I've definitely heard this one before. Yeah. So the AIDS epidemic, which hit the United States and the world in the 1980s, devastated millions of lives uh, and in the process completely changed the cultural landscape of the society in the process. Now, no one quite knew what the origin was or what the cause was of this uh, global plague, but many theories have emerged. And these included... Sexual intercourse with monkeys or the ingestion of their brain material. Yep, I heard that one before. Yeah, definitely. An out-of-control germ warfare virus that escaped from its handlers. Okay. The spread of AIDS by specific ethnic groups, and this includes uh, immigrants to the United States from Africa, Haiti, and other countries. They also claim it could have been put in the fluoride in our drinking waters. Well, wouldn't we all get it then? You would think. Yeah, that's why that one's kind of stupid. But it does mark back to we when we talked about fluoride in the drinking water. I'd always heard that, I don't know if this is true or not, that like the AIDS and HIV virus, if you ingest it, um, you cannot catch it that way because it gets killed in like your stomach bile or whatever. That does make sense because um, I've heard you either... It doesn't come from, like, if you come into contact with someone with AIDS into your system that way, it needs to hit your bloodstream directly. Yeah, yeah. That's what I, I've always heard. It has to travel via 
a liquid of some sort. I don't want to be get too <laughs> gross there, but uh, I think you know what I mean. Yeah, and that uh, brings us to the next one, that it was put in KY jelly uh, by the Centers for Disease Control to eliminate homosexuals. Ah, okay. Well, do they are they aware that everybody uses KY jelly or <laughs> Yeah, apparently not. They think it's uh whoever came up with this theory must think <laughs> it's just for uh the gays to use apparently. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> so another one developed by the Russians and also created in Hitler's laboratories. Mm, okay. Well, yeah. do the Russians not have like AIDS uh, prominent in their country? I guess I don't even oh, know. I'm pretty sure the Russians, uh, I believe in like the Russian prison, those really famous, like terrible Russian prisons. I think that they do have an AIDS problem in there, but I'm not exactly sure. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. any problem, it's best to blame it on Hitler or the Russians. So, yeah, the, especially during the 80s, they yeah. always seem to go back to the commies. <laughs> so, most importantly for this episode, though, there is another theory that AIDS was developed by the CIA. Okay. So this theory uh, claims that the virus was created by the agency while trying to find a disease that would be resistant to any known cure and would be spread through sexual contact in order to infect those on the fringe of society. This theory states that the virus was first tested in Africa and then transmitted to gay and African-American communities back in the United States. Okay, yeah, this, uh, I feel like this is one of the mo more prevalent ones. Um, obviously, a lot of people think they're using it to um, get rid of minority groups and uh, obviously homosexual people. But I think the real reason people question AIDS and HIV is because of how unique of a virus it is. I thought I've, that's what I've heard. Like, it's just, it's such a weird disease, kind of like how Lyme disease is a really weird disease too. You know what I mean? Yeah. The disease. So it, I guess it's a virus technically. Is, HIV is the virus. Okay. And then AIDS is the disease. HIV okay. causes AIDS. Okay. So the weird thing is it's almost like it attacks. So we have these little cells in our blood uh, that are meant to attack like foreign bodies, like sickness, viruses, bacteria, all that shit. The weird thing about AIDS is it actually sets up inside of those cells and turns them into like little AIDS producing factories. So the things that's meant to stop this virus from spreading turns into a factory for the virus. Okay, yeah, that that's what I mean. Like, it almost seems like it was engineered that way. Like, I think that's what people get really suspicious about it, right? Yeah, it's like, if you wanted to think of, like, the worst possible thing, it's not the virus or the, like, the, the virus doesn't kill you. It's when your immune system is beaten to shit so bad, like, you catch the cold and you die. Yeah. Like, that's what kills you. The, uh, I don't remember where I heard, I swore I was on, like, another podcast or something, but... Um, I thought I had heard that they had gotten rid of, uh, AIDS or HIV in someone's body by essentially doing a full blood transfusion. Yeah, I've heard little things like that. I've heard that they, um, I'm not exactly sure how this would be done, but I've heard that there was a theory that if you completely eliminate those little, um, those little cells that are meant to like fight off all the diseases. If you put that person in like a bubble and then eliminated all of those cells from their blood, 
the AIDS virus wouldn't have the ability to spread anymore. And then you could basically like take them out of the bubble like six months later after those cells have come back and they would be like completely HIV free. But Hmm. I don't know if that's actually like a real thing or just like a theory. Man, that would be insane if they found a cure for that or like a way to completely cure people of that. That'd be like world changing. Yeah. But according to this theory, uh, AIDS virus was meant to actually have a, a nefarious purpose. So it was to bring back the supposed moral majority of the United States hmm. from these groups that they were trying to infect. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what a lot of people believe. I mean, I don't want to really get real crazy, but it, it I think, was uh, kind of escalated during the uh, Reagan administration. And I can only imagine yeah. how he felt about those particular groups. Yeah, so I was just about to mention that during the Reagan administration is pretty much when this all came out and the like evangelical Christian community like really thrived under the Reagan administration. They started becoming really political and they felt like Reagan was their dude. Yeah. A lot of people really like him still. Yeah, uh especially now that like some of the sting of the bad shit that he did has like worn off and they kind of romanticized the 1980s. Yeah. Kind of like how people romanticize like the 1950s, like people who are much older romanticize that time and forget like how bad it was for, you know, most people. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Well, it's, uh, I think I was watching, who the hell did that uh, show the 80s? Like they did the 80s, the 90s, the 70s, the 60s, the 50s. Do you remember that? They have it on Netflix. It was CNN. Was it CNN? Um Mm -hmm. When I was watching it, one of the episodes was about the AIDS epidemic, and they were basically talking about how people were literally, like, not even paying attention to, like, sexual health at all. So, it 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 spread super fast, you know what I mean? Like, people didn't care, they just weren't even paying attention, so then, you know, a lot of people got infected with HIV and stuff, and were spreading it without even knowing it, and it was just kind of a... Yeah, you know what I mean, so... Yeah, especially after, like, the sexual revolution and the, uh, like, the inventing of the pill. Like, Ah. people weren't using condoms, and (laughs) it just, you know, like, no one even thought about that shit. If you were, if you were visiting a foreign country, you might be worried about, like, you know, an STD. But what did they call it back then? Uh, It was... God, it's like a really old word for it, but they worried about catching that shit like if you were in the Navy. like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the soldiers have their own mythos, don't they? I mean, the, yeah. the sailors, I should say. The sailors, yeah. Well, all the soldiers stationed overseas were like, you were basically given condoms in your little like pack, so <laughs> just in case. But again, if we if we take basically the sexual revolution back into say, the conspiracy world where they, if you want to say the CIA or whoever wanted to bring the world back into more modest Puritan lifestyle or whatever, I guess, uh, scaring everybody with a sexual disease such as AIDS AIDS or HIV uh, probably accomplished that. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, considering the changes between the 70s and the 90s, I mean, the education in the United States became such like a big health scare for like 
you thought that you were going to die of fucking some STD without using a condom. <laughs> you just thought that was it, like, <laughs> immediately. Uh, is it Your ama- dick was just going to rot off. Is it amazing that, obviously, sexual health and awareness is, like, a lot better now, but there's still a lot of uh, the groups that would be more... Uh, you know, like Christian groups and stuff that are kind of like wait till sec, wait till marriage to have sex or whatever. Um, they tell people not to use any sort of protection, which is ironic. Well, they say don't use any protection because you're not supposed to be having sex. That's the weird thing. <laughs> the thing is, too, it all boils down to money. Like Catholics don't want you to use condoms because this is my little personal theory. <laughs> when you don't use condoms. You're going to have kids at a much younger age, which means you're not going to go out and get the education that you may have gotten had you not had kids when you were like, you know, way too early. That leads you probably to be more likely to go to church and you're going to have future little church goers who also spend money. Like I was just talking to my family and we were talking about how they used to send us home with those little envelopes so that whenever we went to church, we could put our name on it and like put money in the coffers. They were giving these to like seven and eight year olds. Mm. So we could put our own money, have our own name in there so that the church could track how much we put in. Good point, actually. Huh? Do you, do you remember that bullshit? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, Fucking every, Catholics. we all remember the, uh, the little basket that gets put around, you know, that, yeah. uh, the last time I was there, uh, earlier last year, they've actually gotten smarter because now they put the baskets on a stick Mm-hmm. So there can't be any funny business with the baskets. Yeah, definitely. They don't just pass them around anymore. <laughs> no, they jam them in your face and say, put some in here. Yeah, I remember <laughs> when they started using that shit. I haven't been to church in like 10 years, though. So, Including uh, funerals and weddings. Nah, yeah. So, <laughs> so uh, I was going to say really quick, too. Uh, these theories have been mostly debunked, uh, but are still widely believed among the American population. Uh business going on with like the creation of aids that it was uh manufactured uh that little <laughs> cocksucker uh who bought all the aids medication and stuff and then jacked the prices way up i can't remember what his name is um, oh is that the selecki guy the... sounds familiar he's a little shit i don't know he's such a there's not many people i would say are so greedy they're evil but that guy that guy is very evil in my opinion um, yes, yeah, he's the one him. who jacked up the prices on EpiPens. Is he? Oh my yeah. god. The Martin Shalecki, he's like that that little asshole who charged like $500 or like raised it by a ton of money. Those little EpiPens. Well, uh, uh, last summer when uh, I was hanging out with like uh, Holly and Daniel of Murdup, I don't know if I should be saying this, but I think she... Uh, it requires an EpiPen or whatever in case, you know, she has an allergic reaction. She's explaining to me how expensive those things are now. Like, it's like, I guarantee the medicine inside of them do not cost that much fucking money. And like, there's a lot of people who have allergic reactions and really need that shit and they can't get it because this guy is so fucking greedy. Yeah. And especially like the patents on that shit should have ran out a long time ago. But they change up the formula just a little bit, and then they get the like the new patent on it. So, ugh, God, yeah. the the uh, the uh, American pharmaceuticals will have to do another conspiracy on a uh, entire episode on it later on. But uh, yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's infuriating. Yeah. So 
Other than just the CIA's involvement, uh, there is a theory that the government used the cover of hepatitis B vaccine, and this would be administered to gay and African-American men in San Francisco and New York. And this was an attempt to lessen and control the populations of both groups. Huh. So they put it in the H or hepatitis B vaccine only for them or for everybody? So the conspiracy is that the government um, used this vaccination program of hepatitis B as a cover to administer the AIDS virus into these communities. Okay. Hmm. Seems like they would accidentally, if they were really feeling super malicious about just those particular groups, I'm pretty sure they would have accidentally, or not accidentally, they would have injected plenty of people who weren't in that because they can't just be like, we are only doing this for African-American men and uh, homosexual men. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, I don't know. Whatever. Kind of. It is, it is just a, it's a conspiracy. Yeah. Thing, so. Yeah. Yeah. I got to remember that. There's only a small percent. So I'm not saying it's true. I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> that's the, I'm reporting on the conspiracy theory. <laughs> so, remember that I say allegedly and supposedly. Yeah. You got to remember so, that. AIDS conspiracy theorist Boyd E. Graves had alleged that scientists who worked for the U.S. special virus program created HIV by modifying the sheep virus known as Visna. Huh, never heard of that. Yeah, so the Visna virus is a lifelong persistent infection in sheep that occurs in the lungs, lymph nodes, spleen, joints, central nervous systems, and mammary glands. Now, the condition is sometimes known as ovine progressive pneumonia, particularly in the United States, or Montana sheep disease. Huh, so they took this and modified it to make HIV and AIDS. Yeah. So Graves alleges that the government scientists conspired with the pharmaceutical company Merck to distribute the virus to their intended targets. Huh. Wouldn't that be terrifying if that was true? Yeah, it would be, especially considering how evil pharmaceuticals are, like you just mentioned. And <laughs> <laughs> now, now, they're, now they're fucking teaming up with the government to take out small groups of people. <laughs> well, allegedly. I thought you were going to say, like, sheep uh, HIV or whatever, because I know uh, cats can get uh, feline HIV. Yeah, it's, so it's HIV is just immune deficiency. Ah. Like the immunodeficiency. Yeah. But it, it you know, like, it started in um, monkeys, supposedly, also. The main conspiracy is that it started in monkeys, and it was called, like, the sapien uh, immunodeficiency disease or virus. But so, yeah, it goes through like there's a lot of animal different forms of it. Huh. Hmm. Guess we'll never know, huh? Yeah. But the conspiracy is that the Visna virus was altered to create HIV. Huh. OK. I mean, it's if you really think about it, that's probably the most plausible one of the conspiracy theories. Yeah. I've also heard that the um, HIV virus in monkeys was used to uh like they altered it to put it into humans and they also used the hiv virus for monkeys and they combined it with visna to create this so the hiv in monkeys and visna like pop up in a lot of different theories for how they made it well now you got to get in conspiracy was there a sheep cia or a monkey cia who then initially created that virus that was in the animals 
Or was there a love affair between a monkey and a sheep that created this? <laughs> that could be. And, one, and a lonely farmer. <laughs> <laughs> I'd see that happening. Yeah. So it might sound a little far-fetched that the U.S. government would use a vaccination program meant to do good for their own ulterior motives. Uh, however, the identification and killing of Osama bin Laden happened because of a vaccination program in Pakistan. Really? Okay. So how did that how did that work out? Or like yeah. how did they use that to find them? So the vaccination program was actually uh under the cover of a anti-hepatitis B program and the program was used to actually test the DNA of Bin Laden's family members to confirm that Osama Bin Laden was actually in the Abbottabad compound in Pakistan, which is on the border of Afghanistan. Wow. Huh. That's interesting. Quite yeah, clever, DNA, actually. Yeah. The DNA was obtained and then compared against the DNA that was taken from Osama bin Laden, who died in Boston in 2010. Wow. Holy shit. That is, uh, that's crazy. Yeah. So Dr. Shaquille Afridi was allegedly the man that helped the CIA find Osama bin Laden while testing the DNA of his children in the Abbottabad compound. Now, this was done, like I said, under the cover of the vaccination program. So there is a conspiracy that Dr. Shaquille Afridi uh, is actually a patsy for the real CIA operative. But obviously, that's just you know someone's little theory. Uh, but no matter the case, Afridi was detained on his way to Afghanistan. Uh, he was attempting to flee Pakistan, and he was charged with treason, and sentenced to 33 years in prison on the 23rd of May, 2012. Wow, interesting. Wasn't he helping them, though? So, yeah, actually, um, the deal is that the U.S. government didn't actually have Pakistan's permission to fly their helicopters to Abbottabad and invade the compound and apprehend Osama bin Laden. Uh, they didn't tell the Pakistanis that they were doing this at all. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that could uh that could cause a little issue. Yeah, so even though like Pakistan had declared Osama bin Laden an enemy, um they also didn't like their own sovereignty being breached. But it was originally thought that the treason charge came from his aid to the CIA in the attempts to capture bin Laden, but it later came out that it was actually because of his connections to a local warlord named Mongol. I'm going to say this name wrong. Mongol Bog. Okay. I mean, that sounds like a warlord's name. Yeah, it does. He sounds like <laughs> if you if you were told that you were going to go have a meeting with Mongol Bog, you'd be like, no, no, that's fine. I'll just go ahead and throw myself in the fucking butt because that's going to happen to me anyway. Uh, yeah. So Dr. Shaquille Alfredi's sentence was later appealed and actually overturned and a retrial was um, set up. But in 2013, he was charged with the murder of a man that he had treated eight years prior. So it kind of seems like they're just trying to stick him with anything they can mm. and not admit that it's because of the treason charges. <laughs> Sounds like the CIA, right? Yeah, it does. It, it <laughs> does kind of sound like if Pakistan had a deal, like a Secret Service deal, like it could be them that's like, you know, doing this kind of shit. But yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, so because of what actually happened to Dr. Afridi, there has been like a real hesitation to accept vaccination programs around the world. 
Uh, and though it's not actually confirmed that Dr. Afridi knowingly helped the CIA uh, with their operation, at-risk countries are a little bit more hesitant to accept help from groups that could be uh, used as covers for future operations. I mean, I can't really blame them, I guess. That's like no, super not. sneaky. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, especially like imagine how much good hasn't been done because these vaccination programs or these attempts to like, you know, fight malnutrition and all of this like World Health Organization, all the charity like might not have happened because of this one thing. Mm, it's true. But when you think about it, they did kill Bin Laden and an asshole. So. <laughs> true that. Yeah. Now, I'm actually going to move on to my last topic here. Have you ever heard of the Contras of Nicaragua? Uh, it sounds familiar, but I'm not filming in on it. So the Contras were a group uh, of different armed rebel local warlords, gangs, and they were backed by the United States government in opposition to the socialist Sandinista juntas of Nicaragua. The Contras helped the West in their aims to keep the communists out of South and Central America. What year did you say this was? This was during the late 70s, 80s, and I believe it ended like very early 1980s. Okay, yeah. The, contra the Contras. Okay, yeah, that sounds a little more familiar then. Yeah. So the problem was the money used as aid for the Contras actually came from the sale of cocaine, <laughs> which was trafficked inside the United States. <laughs> Probably all the cocaine O.J. Simpson bought during that time. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, there's also the Miami Hurricane. Ah, yes, 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 yes. So the CIA aided the uh, the Contra anti-socialist efforts against the Juntas by providing them with training from Cuban exile fighters, which was paid for by the CIA, and also provided government contracts to supply the Contras with allegedly non-lethal aid imported by the different transport one of which was the Pentagon-run Southern Air Transport, which also ran cocaine to many locations inside the United States, including Texas, Louisiana, and Florida. Mmm, Florida. The cocaine yep. capital, huh? Yep, definitely. So, the imported drugs coming into the United States were often sent to military bases and were not allowed to be inspected. And if they had been inspected a lot of different strings were pulled to have the transporters released and also the product. Mm, yeah, they won't want them uh, digging around in there, would they? Nope. Yep. Get them out of jail as quick as you can. Put them <laughs> back on the road. <laughs> Definitely. So in August 1996, Gary Webb came out with an extended series of articles in the San Jose Times that connected cheap cocaine supplied by the Contras and the crack epidemic in Los Angeles. The connection was the CIA deliveries from South America to the United States. Okay, so this one actually has like some connecting dots. Yeah, definitely. So the money from the sale of crack cocaine by the gang would also be used to purchase weapons. And in many cases, these weapons were sold to the gangs by their CIA drug dealer. Ah, okay. Yeah, so all of that gang warfare that was going on during the 1980s, during the crack up, uh, could have possibly been supplied by United States government arms so, dealers. Now, obviously, you're teetering on the CIA-created crack, but in this story, it's more the crack sales 
are a byproduct of their shady dealings uh, of selling cocaine themselves. Yeah, so the crack was what happened to it when it got onto the streets. The cocaine was supplied supposedly by these Contras. Didn't, I mean, not to get too far off topic here, but didn't they literally just connect the U.S. government, I don't know if it's the CIA directly, with selling drugs to the Mexican cartels to buy weapons or something? I'm not exactly sure about that one. I swear that just happened within the last, like, five years. I don't know. Maybe they were selling them weapons or something. I don't know. Something like that. One of those, like, rings where money from purchased guns goes to, like, purchase drugs and one of those deals where there's, like, two or three groups. Is that the situation? It it might have been. It was something like that. It was something basically that the government was involved with the cartels and selling of either firearms or drugs. I, I don't remember which one exactly. Yeah, I know United States is basically like the top supplier of arms around. <laughs> so they don't they don't always use the, uh, you know, the best channels or the nicest people to sell these arms. <laughs> to. I mean, there's a reason why they need the arms. True. Yeah. So the resulting crack epidemic rocked America especially the inner cities and African-American communities. Now, this would lead to the Reagan administration's crackdown on drugs and the Just Stay No program, which was so successful, as everyone knows. <laughs> <laughs> it would also lead to especially tough sentences for the possession and distribution of crack cocaine, and that was as compared to the powdered form of cocaine, which was mostly seen in the more like the white communities basically yeah yeah i know the uh, i remember that was definitely a big thing that the punishments for crack a 20 dollar crack rock gets you as much jail time as like what was it like an a shitload of actual cocaine so yeah i definitely remember that yeah i have heard of like basically the it's not like uniform among all like drugs like no. certain drugs will get you longer time yeah in jail I think meth is kind of going uh, through that right now. Not that meth is anybody should be doing meth, but uh, like just a tiny bit of meth is like basically a felony. <laughs> yeah, they really need to figure out like something about like this uh, drug fentanyl. If it wasn't oh. created by the pharmaceutical company, then they might do something about it. But <laughs> true, that's true. Man, that shit yeah, is that, bad. That fentanyl is killing people. Like. Because they cut, well, apparently they cut it up into heroin. Like, if you dilute the heroin bad enough, it doesn't have any effect. So they put a little bit of fentanyl in it just to give it a boost. Yeah. And and too I, much fentanyl is killing people. I thought I heard fentanyl's like super cheap too. And it and it's so strong that the junkies just want more and more and more of it. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, especially like, well, I mean, the prescription drug epidemic has gotten just fucking terrible. Yeah. That's true. Killing, killing lots of people. So as you said before, uh, talking about the creation of crack, some conspiracy theorists even believe that it was the United States government who originally taught the American drug dealers how to make crack cocaine, which is a cheaper and highly profitable form of powdered cocaine. Oh, yeah. Uh, from what I have saw in documentaries and stuff, you can basically take a little bit of cocaine and make a shitload of crack. And then you make a ton of money off of it. Yeah, basically, it's more, what is it? It's more portable. It's, like, more effective. And, 
Yeah, like you said, you can uh, you can cut it up. Like a little bit of cocaine makes like a decent amount of crack. Basically. Yeah, and I think I could be wrong, but I I've never done crack, obviously. But uh, yeah, like <laughs> when you smoke when you smoke a crack rock, like you're really really high for like twenty minutes, and then you're you come down and you're like you need more of it, so it's like super addictive. Yeah, I've I've heard the same things. So getting back into it, uh, another way the U.S. government aided the Contras was through money acquired from the sale of arms to Iran. After Congress banned any direct funding to the Contras, money to aid the rebels was acquired by secretly selling weapons to the American enemy, which was Iran. And this would later become known as the Iran-Contra affair, and this smeared the reputation of the United States government and the Reagan administration. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard of this. Yeah. So in 1989, the Senate Subcommittee on Terrorism, Narcotics, and International Operations, and this AKA is the Kerry Committee, which is very famous, made Senator Kerry very famous at the time, concluded a three-year investigation by stating, there was a substantial evidence of drug smuggling through the war zones on the part of individual Contras, Contra suppliers, Contra pilots, mercenaries who worked with the Contras, and Contra supporters throughout the region. Mm, okay. All right. So that basically, it was a very big story during the 1980s. Like, we're a little too young to remember it, but I have seen a lot of documentaries on that. And I believe it was, I forgot what his name was, Colonel North. He ended up becoming very famous about it, too. Okay. For, for basically creating this group, more or less? Well, he gave testimony on it. Isn't that basically what how the formation of Al-Qaeda happened? No, not really. Um, so the formation of Al-Qaeda happened when the United States aided the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. What was, I thought one of the recent ones is, or was it Iraq, that they basically were using old U.S. military equipment or something? Or Oh, well, the problem is, well, one of the problems was that the... American supplied and trained Iraqi fighters were actually like dropping their weapons and leaving their vehicles. So when they would flee and then ISIS um, ah. was created, like using all of this old American technology that had been given to the Iraqis. Gotcha. So I think that's one of the things you might be thinking of. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. So overthrowing the Sandinistas in Central America wasn't the only time that the CIA in the United States practiced regime change in independent countries that were being lost to the communists and the socialists. So after the Cuban Revolution and the failed Bay of Pigs, which we just talked about in part one, there was an emphasis put on stopping or reversing communist takeovers of at-risk nations. Okay. Isn't that basically what they're doing in Syria right now, too? <laughs> well, in Syria, they were actually trying to pull off a regime change, not really because of communists, but because his ties to the Russians, I imagine. I'm not exactly sure what that was all for, but they were doing it for the humanitarian basis kind of deal. Yeah, but when you hear Russia's involved in there somewhere, it always makes you wonder... Yeah, so we had a little bit more direct involvement in Syria than we did in most of these countries. Ah, okay. So, yeah, so after um, aiding the Americans, Manuel Noriega was actually ousted in Panama, and this was done by a small-scale uh, U.S. invasion 
after it was learned that he was also aiding the Cubans and the Sandinistas. Okay, that's not good. Yeah, if you remember the movie Blow, uh, the main character was storing his money in Panama, and he lost all of that money uh, because of Manuel Noriega and the regime change. Ah, okay, yeah, I remember that now. So also, the democratically elected communist regime under Salvador Allende in Chile also suffered a regime change. Now, he was the victim of a coup d'etat, and this was done by Allende's own military leader, Augusto Pinochet, who was backed by the United States government. Okay, so I feel like uh, the U.S. government doesn't fuck around in South America quite as much as they used to. No, not directly. So they are still involved in Venezuela. They attempted to pull off a regime change there, but... Um, the guy actually came back into power. He actually, he's died since then. And I can't remember what the guy's name who took over for him is, but he's actually at risk of being taken out by his own people right now. Um, mostly because of all of the sanctions done to his country and like Venezuela is in like dire straits right now. Mm, Okay. So do you think, okay, let's try to, turn this back around here so is all their involvement in uh, all these south american countries and whatnot directly tied to cocaine i guess well i mean the the dealings with the contras was just to aid using cocaine to aid anti-communist uh, and socialist groups now the other groups that you were talking about that the cia or uh, government helped overthrow are they involved with the drugs as well or are you just using examples of them being involved in regime changes oh no that's just examples of uh south american and central american regime change ah okay i gotcha yeah just uh giving us some examples of like other times it wasn't because of the drugs the drugs and regime changes are just kind of like mixed together a little bit in this gotcha okay i'm following you yeah, so these are just a few examples of regime change that happened during the Cold War. And that was all about trying to stop the dominoes from falling uh, to communism. So I see. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Before regime change uh, became necessary, the CIA is also thought to be keeping track of communications from around the world. This involves even bugging the offices and residents of foreign leaders and infiltrating uh, groups and political parties from countries the United States believe to be anti-American or pro-communist. Why? So this was also possibly going on a lot during the the Red Scare. Well, I mean, I, that's not surprising at all, is it? No, not really, not at all. <laughs> I mean, basically every single clandestine like spy movie you ever see has them like listening in on everything. So. I feel like there's spies for all countries, like, everywhere. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the weird thing is it's even our allies and, like, inside the country itself. There's even operatives supposedly keeping an eye on groups inside the United States, which you wouldn't think would be, like, the CIA's job, like, inside the United States. But I guess they are the central intelligence agency, so. Yeah, you can't put anything past them. Yeah. But that pretty much does it for part two. Uh, kind of, this one was a little bit more broad than part one, but kind of took care of what all I wanted to talk about. What do you think about, uh, some of these, how much, how much credence do you give to the Contras, the AIDS epidemic 
or weather control? Well, I mean, I would say the Contras is pretty much proven, isn't it, that they did that? Oh, yeah. Well, with the Iran-Contra affair, I mean, that's definitely been proven. Um, with the supply of cocaine to the United States, I mean, that has been proven, but not all aspects of it. Like, there are little aspects of it, like the CIA and the United States government teaching inner city gangs how to make crack. Like, obviously, that hasn't been proven. But Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is my opinion. I don't think that the, uh, the CIA taught them how to create crack, and I don't really think the CIA created AIDS either. Um, I think you got to give drug dealers a little credit. They are extremely crafty. Um, so them creating crack, I wouldn't put it past them at all. And, uh, the AIDS thing, I think if I had to guess, it was, I put more of a target for that on pharmaceuticals. And even that might be a stretch. I think it's just an unfortunate, uh, very terrible disease, obviously, um, that, you know, has affected humanity greatly, which is sad. And hopefully, you know, one day they find a cure for it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I The CIA, I mean, obviously, anything that runs under the guise of secrecy, I think we're going to be very suspicious of them. I think that's just natural. And I definitely don't put it past them to do sneaky shit. Like, they're for sure doing that, as doing some of that. I don't really think they're controlling the weather either. Maybe a little bit, but not to where it's like fucking uh, King Cobra or whatever the hell that G.I. Joe bad guy's name was. Uh, <laughs> taking over the fucking world, controlling the weather. You know, I don't think it's to that level. Yeah, cloud seeding is definitely possible. And it's been done for like a long, long time. But I really don't think that we can control hurricanes or even like earthquakes, all of that stuff, tsunamis. I really don't. I mean, we could probably create a tsunami if we wanted to, but that's about it. Like well, we couldn't direct it. I don't think we could direct it. Well, I mean, even when you're talking about like the uh, what do you call it? Cl uh, cloud spreading or Se whatever. Seeding. Yeah. Like as far as I know, the examples of doing that is either a they do it to create snow for skiing and stuff or b they put it they attempt to put it in a hurricane to ha help it dissipate a little bit so it's not as strong but they'd not they're not killing it yeah i have heard that they've used cloud seeding before um either in like arid areas to try to get it more rain or possibly to like make the monsoons happen earlier than they would have happened in areas where they don't want like a monsoon to happen at a certain time of the year. I have heard that before. Yeah, but, but I'm saying like, I mean, personally, I feel like they probably shouldn't be messing with that part of the environment anyway, but I understand why they would want it to rain or not to rain or rain earlier or whatever. But uh, I think the Earth's kind of unpredictable. You don't really know. We don't really know. It'll kind of just do what it wants to do. Yeah, one thing I was going to say, cloud seeding, if you actually seed the clouds over one area and make it rain there, you're taking away from rain that was supposed to happen somewhere else. Yeah. So you might be choosing like winners and losers depending on like the area that you seed the clouds over. So, and about the AIDS virus, I also, if I had to give it any percentage, I'd give it a very small percent to probably the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. You always got to pick greed. <laughs> 
Uh, I'd recommend everybody look up a picture of that guy who jacked up the prices of apparently uh, EpiPens as long, uh, along with the uh, HIV and AIDS medication because he has a very punchable face. I can promise you that. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's uh, he's one of those dudes you just uh, wouldn't want to be around. No, it's, fuck I'm no. Pretty, I'm pretty sure it's Martin Shalecki, but I'm not it's, exactly. I mean, that sounds right. But anyway, yeah. um, if if anybody wants to contact the show with their opinions on these spooks, what are they up to? Where can they do that, Phil? We got an email, subliminaldpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we haven't really gotten any emails in the past week, but we'd always like to hear from our fans. Uh, if you have uh, any ideas for a possible show, we might actually use it. The easiest way to get a hold of us, Subliminal Deception Podcast on Instagram. I actually check that a few times a day. So that's really a great way to message either myself or Cody. We both have our own Instagram accounts. Mine's SDPodPhil. Cody, you got one? Yeah, uh, you can reach me at my personal one, Cody's Above, or you can... Uh, search for my other podcast, Bumblebutt Podcast, if you're into true crime, paranormal, all that fun stuff. Um, the last thing we need you to do is to log on to iTunes and please leave the show a five-star review. doesn't really matter what it says, just as long as it's a five-star written review. Um, that helps us out greatly, helps us, uh, I don't know, get, f- reach out to more people, get more downloads, get more people interested in the conspiracy world. But uh, otherwise, Phil, uh, our very first multi-part episode, I believe. So, uh, Phil, you did an excellent job, and I think people will be even more weary of the CIA, or maybe they'll be like, you know what, maybe they haven't uh, created crack or AIDS. I don't know. Someone will yeah. have an opinion about it. But uh, otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. All right. Thanks, guys.